Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mike Roder. Thanks for being on the show, Mike. You're very welcome. I really appreciate you having me on the show, Whitney. Yeah. So Mike and I were introduced in Dallas just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, and here, getting to meet him and his partner and, and hearing what they were up to, how they just closed the deal in Dallas and from being so far away from living in Dallas, it's a very impressive story. And I'm looking forward for him to share it with the listeners and myself. So, but a little about Mike, he started investing in real estate with single family homes in 2009 through house hacking. First multifamily property purchased was 20 units in central Minnesota. Minnesota. Currently, he's invested in 1,100 units and has led three syndications. So he is well on his way. Thank you again, Mike, for being on the show and give us a little more about how you got into the syndication business. And let's dive into our topic today. Most definitely. So again, I appreciate you having me on the show. The way that I got into multifamily syndication was really about thinking about how we could scale our business quicker and faster. I was going the single family route, and I remember back in the day, my original goal was to have 100 single family homes and you know to accumulate maybe one or two of those per year and you know after a few years that was going fairly slow my now business partner was in multifamily so he was buying 20 to 30 unit apartment complexes and we kind of came together and he said hey why don't we team up and start to scale our business buy some deals together so we did we bought that 20 unit apartment really liked what that provided us as far as cash flow and and how it performed and soon after that, uh, we found a mentorship group that we became a part of. And uh, that was more of a syndication mentorship group. And it really fit with what we were wanting to do. We were wanting to scale up and it allowed us to do so. So you, you were buying single family homes, you wanted to scale, and your partner came to you and presented maybe, you know, you all buying an apartment building. But where was it? You'd already been doing this for a few years, but where mm -hmm. was it that you all said, okay, I, I, need a, I need a mentor. I need somebody to show me this process a little bit. Yep. So it was after we bought that 20 unit, you know, we were really wanting to scale further and, you know, our capital was limited. You know, we both had a solid income and we had capital available, but in order to buy a 50, 100, 200 unit apartment complex, the capital just wasn't there. And so essentially we decided, hey, let's go out, let's, let's research a few groups. My business partner had been a part of a few groups and we ended up going to a meeting down in Dallas, Texas, actually with the Sumrock Group. And it really struck with what we were looking to do and resonated with us. So tell me, I, I guess, the deals, the syndications you all have done since then, or just briefly, and then we'll hone in on maybe the last one. Most definitely. So we started out with a 45-unit syndication in River Falls, Wisconsin. So that's about, about a 50-minute drive from, from where I'm located at, so fairly close to home. We've owned that property for about a year and a half, and that property has been doing phenomenally well. Uh, we just got through... All of our rehabs, we did the full exterior, parking lot, siding, fascia, soffit, gutters, windows, you name it. So that was a pretty heavy lift. Uh, then we jumped into a smaller syndication, very small syndication. It was a 12-unit project in Minnesota, actually right next to a 28-unit that we own. So we were able to, to get, gain some economies of scale. And so that's why we took on that project. So the 28-unit, the did you buy without syndicating it? We did, correct. Okay. So it was myself, okay. my business partner, and then one other gentleman that we brought on board for that property. 
Okay, so, so now been, you syndicated the 12 unit deal. Go ahead. Correct. And then we uh, recently closed on a 86 unit down in Cleburne, Texas. So that was outside of our local market. We were able to break into the DFW market, which we were really interested in. And that's about a month and a half in the works as of right now. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. it's so impressive too, because, you know, people say it's so difficult to find those deals and invest, you know, outside of your market. And, and it is more difficult, of course. But, you know, you live in Minnesota. Your partner lives in Washington State. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And so, uh, and you all were able to close on an 86 unit. You syndicated deal 86 units in Dallas, Fort Worth. So I'd love for you to break down a little bit how you were successful in that market. Obviously, everybody listening knows that that market is so hot. Everybody, you know, there's so many operators in that area. How did you break in from being so far away? But, you know, start way back and let's dive in. You bet. So one of the ways that we really broke into that market was flying into the market, setting meetings with selling brokers. So we wanted to make sure that we met each of those selling brokers. Uh, A lot of syndicators, you know, they may just have a phone call or just connect via LoopNet and and just, you know, build out their database. So they're getting that deal flow. And so they're able to underwrite those deals. But what's extremely important in today's environment is to be able to have that personal touch with that broker. So you sit down, you know, maybe you take them out to lunch or you take them to coffee or you meet at their office, you know, whatever's most convenient for them and just really get to know them. And so that way, when you, you submit an LOI or you're considering a property, they know your face, they know your name, they know your company, and they, they feel more confident with you. So that helped out uh, quite a bit. We're also very plugged in in the DFW market because of the mentorship group that we joined. So these brokers are very confident in the students that are part of this mentorship group, and they're confident that you know they're going to close and they're not going to have issues during the process. So that helped us out as well. That's an interesting touch there, piece that, you know, the broker's also confident in the mentoring group that you're a part of, mm-hmm. you know, or he's probably worked with other, I'm sure he has worked with other clients or students of that program. So it, it already has some some reputation or that helped build some credibility for you just being a part of a reputable group. But, you know, that doesn't mean it was easy, right? It was not. No, it took a lot of time, <laughs> you know, and truthfully, when we started syndicating projects, it took about a year to land our first project. And one of the things that I would have changed if I could go back is we, we started looking in Minnesota and around Minnesota, and there was very little deal flow. So we were underwriting deals. We just weren't underwriting enough deals. And as competitive as it is today, you want to make sure that you have the correct amount of deal flow. So that way you can underwrite enough deals because really when it comes down to it, Whitney, it's, it's a numbers game. You know, the more deals that you look at and that you offer on, the more likely you are to land a deal. And so that eventually led us to break into the DFW market. We broke into a couple other markets as well. And that's really helped us start to scale a little bit quicker. Okay. So some great information here or questions that we need to talk about. So, you know, tell me though, you know, how many times were you flying down there before you landed the first deal in Dallas, Fort Worth? We'd fly down there approximately once a month for the last two years. So it was pretty consistent. That's commitment. I mean, that, that's commitment right there. That's not easy to travel that much and be away from family. And But go ahead. So flying down once a month. Yep. So we'd fly down once a month and that was, you know, we usually do a networking event. Sometimes we meet up with brokers, two or different areas of the market. You know, we fit a lot in, in a couple of days, you know, each time we flew down. Was that trip always planned? Like, let's say the third weekend of every month or how did you all go about planning that? And, and was it always you and your partner traveling at the same time? 
So usually it was me and my partner. Um, really, we based it around networking events. So our, our mentorship group does have a lot of networking events that we're a part of. So we'd usually fly down for those. And then whatever we could squeeze in around that, we'd go ahead and schedule that as well. Smart. So you bet. So you're flying down. I mean, you're, you're scheduling all these meetings. How long would you stay at a time? Uh, usually two to three days would be the, the goal. And is this while you and your partner are working full time? So we both have very flexible positions. My, my business partner is a professional snowboarder. So he has a good chunk of the year off. And then I have a flexible consulting position as well in the insurance field. Uh, so very flexible as well. But we both do work as well. So I'd like for you to elaborate on how you continue to grow the broker relationships and and then we'll also get into how you increase your deal flow. You talked about a little bit, you're that far away, but you're going, you're taking them out to coffee, you're having those meetings, but anything else that maybe you did to increase that relationship or to meet more active brokers in specific markets? Yep. So another thing that we have done before, you know, say you don't have a outstanding relationship with a broker. However, you've maybe closed on another deal in another market let's say CBRE lists a property in Dallas, Texas, and we don't have a great relationship with them, but we've closed a deal in Minnesota with CBRE. One thing we'll do is we'll have that broker from up in Minnesota call to the broker in Dallas, Texas, and just discuss how their relationship is with us, how we've done on previous deals, you know, whether we performed or not. And that can really, really help give them confidence in your ability to close. Yeah, that's awesome. So having one broker that you've worked with introduce you to another broker in the same firm because they're going to ask and talk and communicate about you. So that's, that's great advice. And, you know, how else are you increasing deal flow? You know, I would say our main sources of deal flow would be selling brokers. So we're always looking to meet more selling brokers and then also property management companies. So once you have a relationship with a property management company and they're managing a deal for you, you tend to get some deal flow that way as well. And so that's been a, a good source for us as well. We have tried in the past calling campaigns. We had a couple of younger gentlemen making calls for us off of a co-star list and essentially, you know, contacting off-market properties. That we tried for, you know, about six months or so, and we didn't have too much luck with that. And I think really when you're looking at the the multifamily space, specifically a hundred plus units, you know, a lot of those properties are going to be listed. So what we kind of found out was let's focus on what we're good at. And that's building relationships, you know, with selling brokers and then also you know, networking with passive investors and being able to raise that capital and then leave, leave the rest up to the selling brokers. They're professionals at that. They're very good at drumming up properties. And as long as you have a good relationship with them, you know, you should be able to land deals. So you hired a couple of people to make those initial calls for you? We did. Correct. And tell me about that process a little bit. You said it didn't maybe work as well as you had hoped, but mm -hmm. kind of walk me through that a little bit. Yep. So we, we basically got a, a list from CoStar with names and numbers of you know properties, 60 units plus in several different markets. And we handed these lists over to you know a couple of gentlemen that were looking, were eager and, and willing to jump into the multifamily space and learn from us. And so they would make multiple calls per day, you know, usually a couple hours a day or so, and just contact you know, off-market properties saying, hey, we're Granite Towers Equity Group. We're looking to buy in this area. Would you be willing to, to accept an offer from us or at least take a look at what we'd be offering on your property? So it's a pretty simple conversation, pretty simple concept. And I think for some people, it could definitely work. Yeah. So what was the majority response? Truthfully, a lot of people did not answer or you'd get a hold of a property management company and, you know, they'd say, yeah, we'll relay your information on to the owner and then you wouldn't get a call back. We did have a few properties that are a few owners that got us their financials over. 
consultants that we took a look at and we offered on. But uh, a lot of non-response just because you know, most of those names and numbers are going to go into property management companies. And sometimes it's tough to get through that gatekeeper. So you've decided now, though, that maybe that's not the best way to move forward? Correct. So you're focusing now on what? Specifically, listed properties is, is usually what we're focusing on. And when you're in big enough markets that have the deal flow that you need, you can certainly do that. So when we were up in Minnesota, that was one of the reasons why we did the calling campaign, because there wasn't enough deal flow. You know, Now that we're down in the DFW market, there's obviously a lot of apartment complexes being listed down there. So that really helps us out and allows us to underwrite enough deals. And very competitive down there, uh, and no doubt about it, right? It is very competitive. And, you know, up in Minnesota, it's very competitive up here as well. I mean, I feel like most markets, um, you know, at this stage in the game are extremely competitive. So how are you standing out in Dallas-Fort Worth when you're so far away? You know, I would say there's a few different things. So first off, that relationship with the broker is is just instrumental. You need to have a good relationship with them. They need to know you. The second item would be your resume. For any new syndicators out there, I would try to, to build up a strong resume as soon as possible. And if you don't have a resume, you know, consider partnering with someone. Consider partnering with someone that has five, 10 deals under their belt or even a few deals and they're passively invested in others. You know, so that way you can show, hey, we have properties in this market that we've syndicated together and give yourself a little bit more credibility. So I would say those would be the main, main two items. And then also be present. So you know, when a, when a property goes live with a broker, make sure you get down to that market if you're very interested and the numbers look good. Tour the property with the broker. You know, if you're not going to tour the property, it's going to be very hard to land that deal. So make sure you tour it and, and you talk to the broker a few times over the phone and just you know make sure that they know you're very interested and that you really want this deal. So this last deal that you all closed on down there, tell me a little about the deal and what the plan is moving forward. You bet. So it's a 86 unit property uh, located in Cleburne, Texas. So it's, it's a little bit south of Fort Worth and tertiary market, a lot of growth in that market, a lot of demand. So we really liked the market when we first saw the deal. The plan on that one is to upgrade the remaining interior units. So there's you know about 60 to 70% of the interior units are not fully upgraded. So we'll finish off the upgrades there. We're also installing uh, fenced-in backyards in 48 of the units. So that'll allow us to, to take advantage of a little bit of a rent bump there. We're relocating the office. So right now the office is in a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom townhome unit. And so we were able to convert the laundry room, basically split the laundry room in half, create half of that as the office, and then half as the laundry. It'll be a really nice space when we're done with it. And that'll allow us to, to rent out that townhome unit instead of you know, having that you know, not produce any income. So then what's the hold period? What was the projected returns and some of that? So the hold period, we're, we usually look to hold around five years. You know, Typically, I'd say anywhere from three to seven years, but five years is the typical hold. At that point, we may look to refi cash out or sell. It really just depends on the market. Projected returns, we were at a little bit north of 70% over five years, so about a 14% internal rate of return. And then our cash on cash was a little bit higher than 10%. So anyone that doesn't understand that, that's the cash flow that's coming back to you annually would be about 10%. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're also working with contractors while you're from so far away, right? So, you know, tell us a little bit about how you're doing that and how you're being successful at working with them while being many, many states away. So, so you want to make sure if possible to have boots on the ground. And that's something that we brought on another business partner that's local in the DFW market for this property. 
And that allows us to have eyes on the property, you know, as much as we want, you know, weekly or biweekly. And that helps make sure that that contractor is doing, you know, the correct upgrades and that they're on time and, and precise with, you know, what they're doing. So that's been very helpful. You know, you also want to make sure that you have the proper contracts in place. So when we did one of our first syndications, uh, we kind of did a handshake deal with a contractor. You know, we we're friends with him. We trusted him. And it, it turned out that we had some issues uh, with that contractor, with the process. And, and that really boiled down to not having the contract in place, not having strict timelines that these projects were going to be done by. And that really led us to, to learning that, hey, these contracts are very instrumental in getting the project done and getting it done on the right time. You know, anything that uh, I want to go back to the partner that, that you partnered with and why that's so important. But then also anything that you put in your contracts that we need to know about, maybe we should be thinking about going forward that we haven't discussed. I would say be as concise as possible. Make sure that you have every detail outlined and then also make sure that you have a strict timeline. And, you know, with these contractors, obviously, weather can play a big part on whether they can get the project done or not. You know, specifically up in Minnesota and Wisconsin, we have some pretty harsh weather up here in the winter. So make sure you take that into consideration, you know, that you have a little bit of a buffer for bad weather. You know, I would say I would say those would be the main two pieces. We don't normally expect bad weather, do we? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And being as concise, and you mentioned like all the details, any, any other details that we haven't mentioned, like the strict timelines, buffers for bad weather, anything else that, that maybe, you know, that you learned through this process that you need to add? You know, I think uh, outlining what type of materials you're going to be using, you know, what colors for the materials, um, you just want to go into to great detail so that way you don't come up with any surprises. For instance, if you're you know, going with a certain type of siding, make sure you have the, the make of the siding, the color of the siding, you know, what type it's going to be, how it's going to be outlaid. So if you have certain trim boards on the exterior, you know, make sure you have a visual of that as well if possible. You know, if your contractor can draw up a design instead of just telling you, you know, that's going to be extremely helpful you know, when it comes to the finished product. I would say, I mean, that's a very valuable piece of information right there. I'm glad we got to that. Just, you know, not just like the material list, but what type, I mean, you even said the siding. So what type of siding? Because there's lots of different types of siding. There is, exactly. <laughs> even when you're talking vinyl or, you know, hardy plank, I mean, there's there's still a ton of different types of those sidings. So. Right. Before we run out of time, I'd like for you to elaborate too on, you found a partner that's boots on the ground. You know, how did you do that? And how did that help you in landing this deal? Correct. So we found her, uh, we had a relationship with her through that mentorship group that we're a part of. So, you know, we had build trust, we got to know each other a bit. And so that really helped give us confidence that she would be a good partner on this deal. And, you know, she came to us saying, hey, I'd be interested in, in co-sponsoring, you know, with your team and coming in on this project. And it really fit with what we were looking to do. So it ended up, ended up being a, a great relationship. And we've been very excited and very, very thrilled about it. Great. And what was that person's role during this process and finding this deal and then, you know, and getting it closed? Yep. So as far as finding the deal, Dan and I, my main business partner, uh, we were the ones that had underwrote the deals, flown down to the markets, took a look at them, you know, toured the comps and everything. We really brought that third partner on after we found the deal and we got the deal under contract. And her, you know, her position now is to, to be basically boots on the ground. So to be involved in going to take a look at the property. She's involved on our weekly calls with our management company, you know, drumming up ideas. All three of us really work as a force together 
you know, there's not necessarily one job that one of us does. You know, we all just make sure that we're trying to drum up ideas and, and implement our business plan correctly. All right, Mike. So a few questions before we run out of time. You bet. You know, what's been the hardest part of the syndication journey for you? You know, I think the hardest part of the syndication journey would be finding a deal and, and staying motivated. You know, you, have, you can offer on a lot of properties and not see any results. So you just want to make sure that you have someone there pushing you. And that's really instrumental with me is having a business partner that's motivated. So that way we can really motivate each other throughout the process. You know, when we lose out on a few few deals in a row that we really thought we were going to to get, you know, we can motivate each other and say, hey, we're going to get the next one. Let's keep going. How are you all prepared for another downturn? The way that we prepare for a downturn is in our underwriting. So we make sure that we use historical numbers. So for instance, you know, our vacancy rate, although up in Minnesota, we have, you know, some of the lowest vacancy in the nation, you know, three, four percent. We make sure that we're using historical numbers. So, you know, eight percent, nine percent. So that way, if we do have a downturn, you know, we feel very comfortable that we can still hit our results or, or perform. Um, same goes with rent growth, reversion cap rates, and so on. What's a way that you all have improved your business recently that we can apply to ours? So uh, one way that we have improved our business, especially when, when utilizing business partners, would be to use Google Drive. That's been instrumental for us. You know, we were able to, to make modifications to our spreadsheets and our business plans and whatnot and everything updates at that moment. We're using Dropbox for a while and, you know, we had multiple spreadsheets. They weren't updating at correct times. And so that's really been helpful for us. What is a way that you like to take care of investors or a way that you care for them so they want to come back? Yep. So one thing that we just implemented was a quarterly newsletter where we're updating our investors on what we've been doing over the last quarter. We're giving them a nice article. So, you know, building some value in that quarterly newsletter providing some information on books that we really found, you know, to be beneficial to us. And then we also provide monthly updates. So, you know, passive investors, they really like to be updated on the properties that they're invested in. So the more that you can communicate with them and the more information that you can give them, the better. Don't ever feel like you're over communicating with someone because when you get an email, it's as easy as clicking delete if you don't want to see that communication. So make sure to be open you know, and be, uh, be regular on your communication with your investors. What's the one thing, Mike, that's contributed to your success? I would say persistence and drive. You know, just in multifamily space, you have to be persistent. You have to keep going. You know, really, there's, there's a couple different groups that jump into multifamily right off the bat. There's, you know, the groups that, that go hard at first and they lose out on a few deals and they get discouraged and they drop out. And then there's the groups that keep going and they go and they go and they go. And they're going to land project after project if they keep that mental attitude up. Are there any specific ways, because we, we briefly talked about this, but that you all stayed motivated. I know you said you're thankful you're a partner that's motivated and helps you to stay motivated. But any, you know, anything that you can talk to there about, you mentioned like losing deal after deal, you're offering another LOI, another LOI, you know, it didn't happen. How are you staying motivated? Yep. So we have two ways for myself. First off, my family, you know, we want to build financial freedom and have that flexibility in the future. So that really motivates me. I have two girls, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and my wife. So they keep me motivated. And then the second thing that's really motivated, you know, me and my business partner is we, we recently partnered up with a nonprofit in Minnesota. Uh, it's called the Sheridan Story. And it's a, a group of individuals that provide nutritional supplements for kids after school on the weekends and in the evenings when they don't have access to food. And so we're donating a certain portion of our profits to that nonprofit. 
And so for us to, to know that every deal that we do and the more successful that we are, that's going to provide to hungry children that really keeps us motivated day in and day out. Love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so I was going to ask how you like to give back, but maybe that's it, but I'll let you share. Yep. That's exactly how. So, you know, both Dan and I have, have young children and it just kills us to think that kids are out there going to bed hungry or not getting fed on the weekends. And so that's something that uh, we implemented into our business right off the bat. Yeah. We're, we're extremely excited about that. And tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So you can shoot me an email at Mike, M-I-K-E at Granite Towers Equity Group.com. Or you can go ahead and visit our website and there's a contact us form on the website. And our website is Granite Towers Equity Group.com. All right. That's a wrap. Well, thanks again for having me on the show, Whitney. I appreciate it. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.